Alright guys, so welcome back to episode 5, I think, of the Fairly Lame Podcast. My name is Dom and yeah, hope you guys are having a wonderful morning. So today we have, I think, wait, one, two, three, four, five. We have six stories, including the what the fuck moment makes a return. That will be at the end of today's video. If you're listening on Spotify or even actually if you're listening on YouTube, the timestamps for each of the segments will be in the description or bio for wherever you're uh, listening on. But so these are what we will be discussing today. So, a Tasmanian tiger sighting, allegedly, in Adelaide. We'll have a look at the video, uh, come to our own conclusions about that one. A new whale detection device has been invented to help uh, prevent boat strikes with sperm whales. Next, uh, Victoria's largest reserve returned to its rightful owners. I think this one was up in northwest Victoria, up near like Mildura or something. Native American tribes, uh, they get a $50 million grant to help address the impacts uh, from climate change. And then an alpine dingo was airdropped to someone's home, literally, actually. And finally, the what the fuck moment, seismic blasts off the coast, off the east coast of Australia to look for oil and gas, if we didn't have enough. Um, so, yeah. How good. And as always, actually, these will be dropping Mondays at... 3 p.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time. Also follow over on TikTok and Instagram at fairly lame underscore posting four videos a day on TikTok and then on Instagram. Post a couple, maybe two or three videos each day, but then also uh, like five news stories from that day. All feel good, great stuff. Um, you know, just talking points, good things to just be across. Uh, keep up to date with a lot of things that also don't make. Um, major news, because a lot of it isn't uh, bad news about how fucked the world is, so, yeah. And also, went down to uh, St. Jacksy Coffee this morning, shout out, one of the great, <laughs> one of the great places. One of my favourite things to do, I don't know why, coffee shops are just a different vibe early in the morning. 7am when they just open, no one's in there, oh, wait, actually, are we recording? Yeah, grateful. 7am um, when no one's in there. Just like that early morning chat, oh, how's your day going? That kind of stuff. Just the chat that you hate when you're working there, but at the same time, if it's a good person, you like it. Um, and so I was going down to St. Jacksy. I don't know what was going through my head. So I had out the front of my house is a clearway zone, so the tow trucks come and take it out, and we've fucking run into that one or two times. Um, 500, 500 bucks? I got a $360 fine for the tow truck, and then another $150 uh, from the government. Anyway, and so we're walking down to St. Jacksy, and then there's like a news agent or something on the, <laughs> like a couple doors up from it, and there was a little sign, like a little um, A4 sheet of paper has been stuck to the window, <laughs> and it said, uh, what kind of degenerate lets their dog piss all over the shop's window, like get a life and grow up? <laughs> I was like, fucking hell. This is in, what, well, one... Hopefully it was a dog and it wasn't a person. Um, but yeah, this was in like Turak or maybe that's Malvern on that side of the road. I don't know. So like a pretty nice area and someone's some dogs pissing all over this news agency. I'm sure they're having a lovely day. Shout out to um, Tats. I don't know what it was. Anyway, so the first story of today is this mystery animal in the Bel Air National Park, which is in Adelaide, somewhere in South Australia. Um which they're claiming is a Tasmanian tiger. And so for everyone listening on Spotify, there's no way I'll be able to paint a picture of this. I'm very sorry. As, as you know, if you've listened before, I have some of the great uh, 
<laughs> some of the great what am I trying to say some of the great imagery imagery mm. I can paint a picture with words you just close your eyes and I'll take you there but I can't do this for this video um, but yeah so head over to YouTube also if you're listening on Spotify on YouTube we're screen recording the articles so we're going through reading them together um, watching videos like this so if you want to be able to find the articles yourself even though there are links in the description um, or, you know, you just prefer it that way. Um, yeah, the videos go up on YouTube again, Monday, 3 p.m. Anyway, let's have a look at this Tasmanian, uh, tiger and we'll see what we think. So, so that's the little guy there. Actually, we'll go full screen. So it's this. And I don't know why. I'm pretty sure this is full. Yeah, this is HD. I don't know why. It's always the case with like Bigfoot videos, ghost videos, anything. It's always shit quality. And this is on someone's phone, so surely it'd be better than this. Maybe they're um, one of those uh, Android freaks. Or they had to zoom in a bit, but still. It looks like they've tried to like improve the resolution. I don't know if that's coming across, but... Yeah, look. <laughs> and so I'm no thylacine expert, believe it or not. But I'm pretty sure Tasmanian tigers have little like black bands on their back just above their tail um so to be honest i don't know what you guys thought comment down below just by looking at it especially the ears and because it's you know 2022 and not the 1800s i think this would be a fox personally um i put a video up of this on tiktok uh, and a lot of people saying it's a fox with uh min no not min <laughs> not min <laughs> with <laughs> with mange sorry mange um a fox with mange and so it's losing its hair but i mean i can't really tell that just by looking at it anyway i think it's a fox we'll have us have a bit of a read what this article says um and so while scientists are working on the de-extinction of the tasmanian tiger in the lab and yes that's a thing if you missed last week's podcast all the week before, highly recommend listening to it. A group from Melbourne University, the Tiger Lab, um, they're working to bring back the Tasmanian Tiger. And apparently, they've got all the technology that they need. Um, it's just a case of actually going through with it. They've got DNA from thylacines preserved in alcohol, and they're going to modify a cell from their closest relative, which turns out to be a dunnart, which, for those of you who don't know, is a little rat-looking thing. So they're going to turn a rat, and this, this dunnart could potentially give birth to this thylacine, because they only come out the size of a bean. So a rat could give birth to the first thylacine in 100 years. Anyway, that's last week's uh, link in description. Um, and so this month, Jessie Mild was walking in Bel Air National Park in the Adelaide Hills with her son and sister when they sighted a mysterious creature. We saw this thing started to move across the road, and to start with, it's a bit strange. You sort of go through a bit of a, pro a bit of a thought process in your head, and it's like, oh, <laughs> that's a bit of a weird-looking kangaroo, she said. Um, then I thought, it's a really scraggy-looking dog. But then it got closer, it got a bit closer to us, and I thought, no, it's not a dog either. It had a really weird gait to it, uh, a sort of lollipopping almost movement. Her sister was convinced it was a Tasmanian tiger. And I mean, even this image, it looks like, not filtered, but it looks weird. Just like, it looks like it's tried to like digitally improve the resolution, which kind of makes it look, it honestly looks like a hyena. 
Um, shout out Lion King. Uh, what's um, is it Ed? Ed. Uh, Lion King. Ed is Ed. The- yeah, yeah. It looks like Ed does. It does look like Ed. It looks like Ed from the Lion King. Um, so re- new name, new title. Uh, Ed from the t- <laughs> Ed from the Lion King spotted in Adelaide National Park. Um. So that's the closest thing we could compare it to, being a Tasmanian tiger, not Ed, apparently. Um, and and she then went... That doesn't make sense. And she then, she, went on to say that there had been a few reports uh, on the Blackwood Community Facebook page of people seeing some strange things in the National Park. <laughs> some strange things. I wonder what that could be. Um, it was bigger than a fox, uh, but not as big as a massive dog. But it definitely didn't look like a fox. It looks like a fox to me. Uh, the tail was completely different. Its back was really sloped down, and its head was a completely different shape. It's not the first time there have been reported sightings of unusual animals at the Bel Air National Park, but animal experts have been quick to pull cold water on the claims these creatures could be thylacines. Uh, Tasmanian wildlife biologist said uh, he was almost certain the footage depicts a fox. It's got all the hallmarks of a fox with mange, <laughs> not minge. Um, it's lost a lot of its hair, of its tail, uh, I think. Um, and it's got very large ears like a fox. So they're agreeing with uh, Fairly Lame Studios. The movement when scooting to the left is like a quick walk, breaking immediately into a trot, exactly like small canids and cats do. Uh, it's very unlike any marsupial I know, including the walking thylacine in the old movie. And I think this is a video from when the last thylacine was recorded in Hobart Zoo, which, uh, for a bit of, bit of history on the great thylacine, so they went extinct. Oh, no. So the last one in captivity died uh, in 1936 in Hobart Zoo because it had one of the great ideas to keep uh, this animal in, like, a concrete cell outside in the middle of winter with no shelter, just like. You know, and then it died, surprisingly. And then they were officially extinct in the 1980s because I think there has to be a period where they can't be sighted um, or any any signs of them recorded either. Um, but then on the mainland, I think it says up here somewhere, um, they're extinct. Yeah, so um, one expert says it's unlikely as Tasmanian tigers were extinct on the mainland at least 2,000 years ago. So, I mean, I don't know. Where were we up to? Um, And so, this wildlife expert went on to say, it's virtually impossible for there to be uh, thylacines persisting in the wild. As far as we can tell, thylacines were extinct on the mainland 2,000 to 4,000 years ago, a long time ago. Um, And apparently in 2021, there were three animals captured on video in Tasmania, um, which were thought to be... Tasmanian paddy melons, which I'm pretty sure we'll have a look. I'm pretty sure um, paddy melons. I'm pretty sure they're uh, they look like wallabies. <laughs> so I don't know who's mistaking this guy for a Tasmanian. <laughs> for those of you on Spotify, literally just think of a wallaby uh, as someone thought that was a Tasmanian tiger. Anyway, um, maybe we need to relook at that uh, education down in uh, the schools. Anyway, um, so there's no irrefutable evidence. All of the bits and pieces of videos in the world doesn't make one bit of irrefutable evidence. Um, but yeah, then he goes on to encourage people to keep looking for the thylacine. 
I mean, yeah, look, she's brave, putting a face to it. If I, (laughs) I don't know if I'd want to be associated with, um, claiming that there was a Tasmanian tiger and it turned out to be a fox, (laughs) but hey, you know, back yourself, back yourself. We'd love to see it. One of, um, Australia's great values. Um, but yeah, look, honestly, again, all the links for these articles are in the description. So if you want to watch the video, come to your own conclusions, um, Feel free to do so. Yeah, I'm either Ed from... It actually does. <laughs> so much like Ed from fucking uh, The Lion King. Anyway, the next article. Uh, a new detection system could save sperm whales from ship strikes. So in the Mediterranean Sea, a prototype whale detection system can use the clicks of a sperm whale to pinpoint its location in three-dimensional space with an accuracy of 30 to 40 metres, only a body length of two for these 16-metre-long whales. Uh, In tests using both artificial pings and the sounds emanating from real sperm whales, researchers showed that uh, the system can provide enough notice for a nearby ship to change direction or slow down when a whale is in its path. I don't know why that looks munted. Uh, let's try to decipher this. The system was developed by a team of biological and computational researchers based in Greece. Um, and they've... See, I don't know if this annoys me or not. How in science, like with that uh, Tasmanian tiger resurrection, they've, they've called themselves the Tiger Lab, the T-I-G-R-R Lab, and it stands for something. And here... Um, this system is called the Save Whales, the system for the avoidance of ship strikes with endangered whales. It's like, fuck. Anyway, good on you. I mean, it's good, but I mean, surely just like ease up with all the acronyms. Anyway, the name is a reflection of the researchers hope that if implemented, their system could cut down on the leading cause of mortality for endangered sperm whales in the Mediterranean. Um, so the design is fairly simple. Um, a five, so near this, uh, the Hellenic Trench, a five kilometre deep underwater canyon in, uh, south of Crete in Greece. Uh, the person's team moored three boys in a triangle, one to two kilometres apart, dangling from each boy on a 100 metre line was a hydrophone, so just an underwater microphone, uh, to detect underwater sound. Uh, the three hydrophones picked up each time a nearby sperm whale clicked, uh, which they do to try to locate um, so the team developed a computer program to, ca- uh, to compare how long it took the sound to arrive at each hydrophone, giving them a way to triangulate their position. Um, and because it echoes, yeah, so, uh, when a whale clicks, uh, there's like a ghostly echo of itself and it wasn't until they realized that, uh, the second click was a sperm whale's call bouncing off the surface of the ocean. So by harnessing these reflections, the scientists built their algorithm to calculate the depth of the clicking whale. The deeper the whale is, uh, when it clicks, the longer the gap will be between the original click and the reflection arrive at the hydrophone. Uh, using the information from both clicks, the save whale system can detect a whale up to 900 meters depth, um, within 10 kilometers of the boys. By running uh, some, the same calculations each time a whale clicks nearby, the scientists can actively track whales as they swim. In the future, they could even use this system to warn ships that a whale is about to surface and potentially avert a collision. So I've got a couple questions. One, this sounds pretty simple in terms of the idea. I'm surprised this hasn't been a thing so far. 
um i don't know i guess i would just assume like i don't have any experience in marine biology but even just thinking that the sound that the clicks bounce off the top of the water i mean that doesn't sound like that makes sense anyway i don't know it's great stuff and also i do wonder who gets the information from this system from the save whale system like is it something that people have out on their boats like another uh radar something like that or is it the marine guard or coast watch whatever it's called um do they have access to this software and then they will notify boats um like an air traffic controller type situation what's to go there um but yeah fantastic how good i do wonder how widespread it is though i think i don't think it says um okay so despite so despite its promise it may be some time before save whales or something like it can be in permanent use um so they've identified a few obstacles to expanding it to a full-time monitoring system including the analytical challenges such as the difficulty of differentiating different whales differentiating individual whales sorry uh when a group is traveling together that's a great point um there are also logistical barriers involved in maintaining an at-sea system which faces constant wear and tear from sun, salt, salt, sun, and storms. Uh, in fact, fishermen who happened to be nearby watched the first two save whale boys when they were deployed disappear underwater, dragged down by strong currents uh, during a hurricane. Jesus Christ. Um, there are also limits, however, on how broadly applicable applicable uh such a system could be the surface reflection analysis that makes the save whales so powerful can't be used for whales that communicate through song rather than clicks oh such as fin whales which are also endangered in them i didn't know oh i guess yeah whale song you do hear about whale song i did always think i mean dolphins click primarily i think i don't know if dolphins sing um so yeah very promising very promising i mean i'm strange i'm i'm strange i am strange but i find it strange that the boys being lost underwater is that big of an issue like there's so many boys in the ocean surely you just use a bigger boy i wonder if the microphone has some impact um i don't know all everything about this again i'm sure it's harder than fucking me just sitting in my in my, <laughs> my bedroom making uh youtube videos at 9 20 on a thursday um but i mean it seems like it's pretty straightforward i don't know again i don't know it's great it's great i love it hopefully we need to save these sperm whales um and i'm sure similar systems could be used for dolphins um if they're clicking as well so yeah love to see it in the uh mediterranean i wonder how big of an issue uh ship strikes are in australia i don't know if that's a thing i don't really hear about it um i don't know if the mediterranean's just busy if you do know uh comment below um but yeah that's our second story now we have victoria's largest conservation reserve to be returned uh to the rightful traditional owners um so the victorian conservation organization trust for nature has committed to enabling the transfer of ownership of the iconic ned's corner station conservation reserve to its traditional owners the first people of the Milliwa Mali Aboriginal Corporation. So the station is a 
30,000 hectare private property in far northwest of Victoria, bordering the Murray Sunset National Park and the Murray River. The property is an important cultural landscape on the Nintate country, uh, was run as a grazing station from the 1840s until Trust for Nature purchased it with the help of donors and the federal government in 2002. So, the Trust for Nature has transformed the formerly degraded land, restoring native vegetation and wildlife habitat. Threatened species such as the Australian Busted, Growling Grass Frog and Tall Sneezeweed have recovered or returned to the property, which is part of the National Reserve System. In recent years, uh, the First People have been working with the Trust for Nature to locate and protect culturally significant heritage uh, significant cultural heritage sites on Ned's Corner. These include ancestral burial sites, scar trees that provided bark for canoes, shields uh, and weapons, oven mounds, fireplaces, stone tool artifacts and shell middens. Let's see. Scar trees. I'm pretty sure, I think I know what scar, yeah. So, um, so these are, this is a scar tree where the bark has been cut away and so they they cut away and they peel it away from the tree and then they're left with either a little, uh, like, again, a shield or a canoe if you want, like, a bigger stretch or even bowls can be made from made from the bark. I don't think I've ever seen one in person. Um, but, yeah, very interesting, very interesting. Uh, and what else was there? Oven mounds, fireplaces, stone tool artifacts and shell middens. Shell middens all the way up there, I guess, from the Murray, but I wonder... I mean, I don't know how rich the Murray is in shellfish, but very interesting. Um, at the same time, the First Nations and the Trust for Nature have worked together to undertake significant conservation works with planning underway for the reintroduction of regionally extinct plants and animals. The Trust for Nature has agreed a target timeline to transfer Ned's Corner to the First uh, Peoples in February 2024. Before this date, they'll work together to achieve the successful and sustainable divestment of Ned's Corner from the Trust for Nature to its rightful owners. Um, so, yeah, incredible. Absolutely incredible. I wonder... This is all I've seen about it, to be honest. I don't know. Maybe I saw an uh, article on the conversation about it. I feel like it's not being talked about that much. Um, maybe just because the location it is, it looks pretty barren and degraded but 30,000 hectares absolutely love to see it um yeah full of good news but we're being uh one-upped by the great united states because our next story is uh the federal emergency management agency i think that is fema designates 50 million dollars to native american tribes to fight climate change so, yeah, uh, so FEMA has developed a strategy, a new strategy to better engage with hundreds of Native American tribes as they face climate change-related disasters, um, they announced on Thursday. FEMA will include the 574 federally recognised tribal nations in discussions about possible future dangers from climate change and has earmarked $50 million in grants for tribes pursuing ways to ease burdens related to extreme weather. Tribal governments will be offered more training on how to navigate applying for FEMA funds um, in the future. Uh, the new plan calls for tribal liaisons to give a yearly report to FEMA leaders on how prepared the tribes are. 
We're seeing communities across the country that are facing increased threats as a result of climate change. Uh, we want to do... What we want to do in this strategy is make sure that we can reach out to the tribal nations and help them understand what the potential future threats are going to be. Uh, in recent years, tribal and indigenous communities have faced upheaval dealing with changing sea levels as well as increase in floods and wildfires. Tribal nations, or tribal citizens rather, have lost homes or live in homes that need to be relocated because of coastal erosion. Some cannot preserve cultural traditions like hunting and fishing because of climate-related drought. And now, I don't know if this is in Canada or America, but I have heard there's some issues with salmon because apparently there's changing salmon numbers or the availability in general, um, and so they can't... And that, that's, that's like a um, traditional meal of theirs. Um... Or like a practice, even just like hunting them as a practice is of traditional importance. And apparently that's um, less able to happen these days. And this was interesting. Uh, researchers say tribes have disproportionately been affected or by impacted uh, by natural disasters. And the federal government hasn't fully funded its obligations to them. Um, yeah, I mean... I wonder if it would be the same in Australia because I put out another TikTok. What was it talking about? Talking about how in the northern parts of Australia, by 2100, the amount of dangerously high heat days is expected to increase by 50 to 100 percent, um, depending on how much uh, warming we see. Um, and you would expect there's a higher proportion of Indigenous peoples uh, up that part of the world. And so you would expect them to be disproportionately impacted um as well so yeah i mean i'm not i'm not going to do the maths off the top of my head but i don't know what 50 million i don't know how much 50 million goes into 574 nations i don't know what that is per nation um but it does seem like it's more looking at education rather than actually putting in strategies in place like they're they're more trying to learn about how each tribe will be impacted by climate change rather than saying like okay we need to build uh levees to prevent floods or like we need a dam to help uh with water security um yeah it seems like this is very i don't want to say preliminary but very early on in just like figuring out okay like how are we going to be impacted and then teaching them how to uh, apply for further funds from the Federal Emergency Management Agency, which I assume then would be the money that they would use to help combat climate change, like, on the ground, you know what I mean? So, I mean, absolutely incredible. I'd love to see something similar. I, I feel like I see this a lot of time with anything that happens overseas, but would love to see something like this here in Australia. Um, a lot of our... Indigenous communities are doing pretty rough, especially especially with water quality. This blew my mind. Living in Australia, you think you can just go to the tap, have a nice jar of beautiful water. But no, apparently, I can't remember what the number is. Again, it's up on TikTok and Instagram. Um, a certain percent, I think it was like 200,000 Australians are drinking water with dangerously high levels of arsenic, uranium, and something else deadly, something else that you, <laughs> that you don't want to be drinking. And it turned out that Aboriginal, remote Aboriginal communities were at the most risk, um, followed by other remote uh, townships and whatnot. So, yeah, that was that that blew my mind. Like, obviously, I remember Perth had shit tasting water, um, 
but I thought that was just a taste. It wasn't actually not good for you. But yeah, apparently, yeah, if you go out to the sticks, you could literally be drinking uranium. Um, so there you go. Now, this one. I don't know if this is going to work. Okay, so if you remembered last week, I had a bit of a story about how I did some volunteering with a koala project up in Peakview, which is near Kuma, uh, a couple hours south of Canberra. And the vet there was telling me that someone was hiking out in the uh, this national park in Canberra called Namaji National Park. And they found a puppy, brought it home, because I don't know, that's what you do. And then it kept escaping their backyard, took it in, and the vet said, ah, oh, this is actually a purebred dingo. Well, um, this story, we'll just get into it. Uh, so weeks after a stray puppy was discovered in a backyard in rural Australia, DNA tests revealed that that furry creature is not a dog at all, but an Australian alpine dingo, which I would say is a dog. So anyway, um, the news was a welcome surprise for conservationists. Australian alpine dingoes are an endangered species vulnerable to extinction because of inbreeding, hunting and government eradication programs. Um, the dingo pup, since named Wandy, was discovered in a backyard of a resident in Wandilagong. I think I Wandilagong. I think this is so. This is near Bright. Okay, so Bright is like what three hours, four hours from Melbourne. It's kind of near. It's near Falls Creek. Okay, if that helps, and Buller and Hotham. So it's up there. So yeah, Alpine makes sense. Makes sense. Uh where were we? Here. Um, so from a rural town in Victoria in August. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, so, Wandy was later moved to the Dingo Foundation's sanctuary while results of a DNA test were pending. Um, so, apparently, there are three types of dingoes in Australia, which I definitely did not know, including uh, the inland and tropical and alpine dingoes. I did not know there were tropical dingoes. So, I guess we'd have inland dingoes in Canberra. Um, for us, he was going to be a very valuable little thing depending on his eventual development and the way he continues to get along with everybody else in the sanctuary. The rarity of receiving a purebred as a pup means Wandy could eventually become part of a sanctuary's breeding program, which includes about 40 other adult dingoes. Uh, experts say most dingoes uh, in the island country are dog-dingo hybrids, um, Noted in a 2011 article about the potential extinction of purebred dingoes. Anyway, uh, nowhere on the east coast of Australia can you find a pure dingo population that isn't at least 50%, and in some cases, 80% domestic dog. Okay, maybe for populations, but I'm pretty sure you can find purebred dingoes. Because I think I did see an update about this, and it was... Actually, yeah, I think it was on CNN, um, and I'm pretty sure they said it was... Pu yeah, it's even in the title, purebred dingo. Uh, yeah, it was discovered to be a purebred dingo. Um, yeah, and I'm pretty sure the one in Canberra was purebred too. But again, yeah, full populations, maybe not. Um, so, okay, so now we're going into the story. How do you find a, a uh, alpine dingo in your backyard? So the resident initially thought Wandy was a stray dog or a fox and soon took him to Beck Day, a local veterinarian. Uh, Wandy's original journey may have ended with him being dinner, for an eagle or other bird of prey. Instead, the young pup was likely dropped from its captor's talons, um, noting what appeared to be claw marks on its back. 
there were no other pups nearby. The resident hadn't heard of any other dogs calling. Um, so he was just a lonely little soul sitting in a backyard. Fuck, that's sad. That's cr- I wonder how high he was dropped from. I have heard that puppies are pretty, like, durable. Like, like, they can take a few knocks and whatnot, but getting dropped from the claws of an eagle. Jesus Christ. Surely you give him, like, a an, a bird-themed name. Like, give him a... I was going to say Maverick from Top Gun. I don't Oh, maybe. But Wandy. Surely, surely he gets named after an eagle or something rather than the town. Um... So, I think that's about it. There you go. Alpine dingoes getting airdropped literally into people's backyards. And so now, as our last story of the day, a bit of a shorter episode, uh, we have the great what the fuck moment. And just from reading the title, so this is on ABC News, you can tell that this is one of... There there are a lot of um, questionable ideas here in Australia. Most of them don't get through, but a lot of them are tossed up. And this is another one that's being proposed. So, proposed seismic testing in the Bass Strait could emit blasts louder than the Hiroshima bomb. So again, this must be a good story. This must be. Oh, and yet also, no cold brew today, which broke my heart. Again, if you haven't tried cold brew, fuck. I don't know what to do. So, International Oil Service Oil Field Services Company, Schlumberger, uh, and energy data provider, TGS, have proposed conducting seismic blasting with high-powered air guns over a 7.7 million hectare area in Bass Strait. So, to find gas offshore, gas companies engage in seismic blasting, sending compressed air down into the ocean bed to test for oil and gas reserves. If approved... This will be the largest seismic exploration ever undertaken with blasts covering an area larger than Tasmania. However, one environment group has expressed concerns, fucking fair enough, uh, about the possible ecological and financial impacts of blasting. Financial impacts, that's interesting. Um, So, as a part of the testing, seismic blasts of up to 250 decibels, louder than the Hiroshima bomb, will go off every 10 seconds for months at a time. Now, I feel like this all makes sense. But again, a lot of things do make sense. And it, I feel like this makes sense to not go ahead. But then again, a lot of things make sense to not go ahead. And then they end up do going ahead. Like, I was doing some volunteering back in Canberra with uh, this uh, animal sanctuary. Or, not animal sanctuary. Uh, biodiversity sanctuary. And one of the people also volunteering there, she worked as like an advisor for... The environment minister, and she was saying it's the worst job she could ever have taken because it sounds really great, like you're having an impact, but apparently you just get sent, and this is all allegedly. I don't need the government trying to come shut down Fairly Lame Studios and my three subscribers, but um, they, yeah, so they get sent. Uh, can you look into like feasibility and potential environmental impacts of this coal mine or whatever it might be, gas, whatever? And then they'll go in, da-da-da-da-da, here's, you know, fucking a thousand pages of why this is the worst decision you could make. And they just go, uh, okay, thanks, um, but it's still going ahead and we need you to make it look like, you need to find all you can to make it look like it should go ahead. So you need to ignore all the reasons you can't and then you need to create a document of why it should go ahead and present that. Um, So if anyone asks, we have reasons, Um, but yeah. 
doesn't sound too lit. Anyway, um, so yeah, it can be, yeah, so every 10 seconds for months at a time. One of these, one of the things about seismic blasting is that it happens offshore so people don't see it, they don't hear about it, and it's completely out of mind. I'm surprised you can't hear it. I mean, I don't know how far off Australia. I mean, the Bass Strait, is that between... <laughs> uh, yeah, no, yeah. So that's between Australia and New Zealand, yeah? Because the Tasman Sea is between... Uh, is, oh, oh, no, it's between Tassie. What's the... What's the Tasman Sea? Where's the Tasman Sea? Oh, so the Tasman, that makes no sense. The Tasman's between New Zealand and Australia, but then the Bass Strait is between Tasmania and Australia. Okay, well, surely, how does that work? See, this is just very eyeballing uh, the scale, right? But surely, if it's the size or it's bigger than Tasmania, and you put Tassie in between Australia and Tassie, you're pretty much touching. So surely people are going to hear, but they reckon they can't. I don't know. I don't know. Um, we feel like it's important for people to understand the incredibly damaging consequences of gas right from the point of exploration. So yeah, I guess there's multiple reasons this shouldn't happen, obviously, in the name, seismic fucking blasting. <laughs> um, and one being, so obviously the testing to try to figure out where this oil and gas is, and then actually trying to extract the oil and gas, and then the emissions from burning it. So yeah, downvote. Um, if the proposal is approved, it could still take years before the exploration could go ahead. One of the other concerns is by the time that gas is produced and ready for market, there's every chance that it's entirely uneconomic. Yeah, that's true. I wonder, I mean, that's very optimistic that by the time, um, it would be extracted that Australia and the rest of the world would have moved away from, uh, fossil fuels by then. Uh, in a way to make it uneconomic, but hey, positive, positive thinking. Um, she said the blast could have a damaging effect on marine life, killing smaller species such as zooplankton and krill, as well as deafening aquatic mammals. Whales and dolphins rely on sonar for communication and navigation to find food, so a deaf whale and dolphin is a dead whale and dolphin. So, doesn't sound very uh, positive. Uh, but... Um, yeah, so also, it's impacts on zooplankton and krill. And so, again, on TikTok and Instagram, like and subscribe, swipe up, all that good stuff. Um, apparently, humpback whales are starting to have their calves further south, and they're not too sure why, but they're predicting or they're hypothesizing that the reason could be because the, uh, I guess, the behavior and the amounts of krill are changing with climate change as the waters are heating up, that there's less krill for the humpbacks to eat, so they don't have as enough, as enough, as much or enough energy to get back to their historic breeding grounds, so they're having their babies further south. Um, but I don't think that's proven. I think that's just a theory at the moment. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it doesn't sound like we need any more krill or zooplankton dying. And again, yeah, deafening whales and dolphins. Yeah, geez. I wonder how they would get I'd love to see the, um, actually, no, I wouldn't love to see the feasibility study that they conducted because it would be that dense just to get people not to read it. But that's fucking hell. And then what? Concerns for fishing industry. Um, we've, uh, how's it going to impact? Um, 
So exposure to air gun testing can lower red blood cell numbers and lead to lower immune responses. What's that? Oh, talking about lobsters. And uh, it can impair the lobsters in an ear so it can have the ability... So it can have an impact on their ability to flick themselves back upright, which can assist them in getting away from predators. So yeah, heaps of reasons this shouldn't go ahead. Hopefully it doesn't. That was this week's What The Fuck Moment. Um, Again, want to focus on the good news and the What The Fuck Moment. I guess the idea behind it is more just to... Just to look at the things that you can't believe go on, that lit like you see it and make you think, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> surely this isn't real. Again, like our first one, we haven't had it for a couple of weeks because, again, I don't want it to be too negative. I want it to be something that you can, you know, a bit lighthearted, even though this is, oh, fuck, this could be a bit serious. Um, but then the first one we had was Dreamworld, the great Dreamworld. Again, I thought they, I didn't know the difference between Dreamworld and Movie World. I thought Dreamworld was Dreamworks. And so I was like, why the fuck? Anyway, wait, we'll back up. So Dreamworld spent $22 million, which was meant for a koala sanctuary on a new roller coaster <laughs> uh, called the Steel Taipan, which looks so sick. Um, and firstly, I was like, why the fuck is Dreamworld spending money on koala rehab? Like, surely just stick to making shitty movies. But apparently, no. Apparently, Dreamworld has like a zoo or something as a part of it, which has its own... Uh, ethical, uh, we'll just say ethical topics, uh, considerations, um, and yeah, so they spent all this money on a, uh, what was it, roller coaster, because they said the Koala Research Center, which was going to help cure, uh, what do they have, chlamydia, they're going to help chlamydia, (laughs) they're going to help cure chlamydia in koalas, because apparently the cost of the vaccine to cure koalas with chlamydia was less than this new roller coaster, but they bought a new roller coaster because um, once COVID happened, there wasn't any more international tourists. And the biggest reason why they wanted a koala sanctuary or koala research facility was so they could have overseas tourists come take pictures with koalas, all that fun, or all that stuff, not fun stuff. Uh, mean stuff. Anyway, um, and yeah, so when there weren't any more tourists, they said, well, what would make more sense? We're struggling. We need some money. Let's go build a roller coaster. So yeah, that they're the type of stories we're looking out for. Um, if you hear of any, please let me know. Because um, yeah, sometimes, yeah, sometimes it's pretty, it's pretty gloomy over there, especially in America. I don't know if it's just the media over there, but when I'm reading in, like a lot of, like the FEMA stuff, that was good, and that was on Fox News, I don't really know what's going on over there, in terms of like, who to listen to, I just try to look for stories, I'm not trying to fucking get too, too much down into weeds of things, right, um, but I remember a couple weeks ago, I was looking for news stories in America, and it was just doom and gloom, like it was, hiker dies, someone died, body, body found, flooding, wildfire, wildfire, six hikers stabbed, it's just like, and then someone fell off a cliff, it's just like, fuck, surely you've got some good news, um, but yeah, and then also, before we finish up, um, yeah, I guess this potty, we are trying to find international stories, like today, we just had one based on, uh, the Native Americans over in America, and the rest was primarily Australian based, oh, and the whales too, the whales was in the Mediterranean, um, but yeah, if you hear any good news, please comment down below. Um, but yeah, this has been episode five. 
And yeah, can't wait to see you guys next week. As always, uh, please like and follow over on YouTube. I think we might start to do some more other food content, a bit of cooking, a bit of... And uh, what else? Maybe vlogs. Like go go for go for a hike, go for a walk, see what we can find. Also, a lot of stuff for my honors projects up there. Talking about my uh, field work. For those of you who don't know, did a camera trapping program uh, down near Wilson's Prom. So we set up camera traps and we pretty much just wait for the animals to walk past, see what we find. Going through the pictures at the moment. So there'll probably be a few updates from that. And also might even do some product reviews. I'm not too sure. Don't want to get too much into it because then you start getting into like, um, I don't want to be a review page. Um, but yeah, thinking of picking up some, actually, let's get these up. This is off topic, but I'm, I'm all for it. Say shoes. Um, they're vegan sneakers. And there's also, also, if you're looking for vegan shoes, uh, Vegja, V-E-J-A. I think they're more for, um, I don't know, but I don't know. I like the say shoes more. Um, thinking about getting these, might do a bit of review, especially durability, because I know that's a big topic, especially with vegan leather. There's two concerns. One being that vegan leather uses a lot of plastic a lot of the times, and also that it's not that durable. Um, so I think it'd be cool to make a video on these. Again, wait, which one would I get? Uh... Because I do like New Balance. New Balance, but I don't know. See those? That looks like mushroom leather. I reckon that's mushroom. Does it say? Does, uh, so they're vegan. Oh, mango leather. Mango. There you go. Hey, 4X. I love 4X too, baby. Um, This product is not waterproof. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Okay. Peter approved vegan. Um, let's see. Um, so they've collaborated with a company that specializes in recycling discarded fruits, which would otherwise be wasted by converting leftover fruit into leather like material. We've been able to bring an environmentally friendly and cruelty free product to market. The non waterproofing, um, okay, let's see. This is turned into anyway. Um, so natural and synthetic leather. Organic cotton, uh, organic cotton laces. The insole is 100% recycled polyurethane foam. The lining, 70% bamboo, 30% recycled polyester. Uh, upper is a whole mix of things. 76% discarded mangoes. Um, bit of polyester in there. There you go. How much? Oh, that's euros though. What's uh, 155? Is that euros? Is that euros? I think so. 155 euros. To AUD. Oh! $227. I mean, that's not that hectic. For what it is, for fuck, for, for shoes made out of mangoes, that's pretty cool. That is pretty cool. I don't know, that that could be, oh, I don't know my size. In whatever this is. European sizes? I don't know. That could be the old birthday present. That could be the birthday present. That's alright. Anyway... Thank you guys for listening. Uh, should have ended this about 10 minutes ago. Hope you like a bit of dribble at the end. Um, and yeah, we'll see you guys next week. Hope you have an absolutely amazing week. And yeah, get on the cold brews. <laughs>